Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 8.39 a.m. Central Standard Time. It's the 3rd of February, 2022. This is episode 538 of Bitcoin and... I was celebrating Groundhog's Day yesterday, which is why I didn't cut an episode. Nah, seriously, man, it was a huge Groundhog party. Puxatawney Phil apparently saw a shadow up there at Gobbler's Knob, and we have six more weeks of winter, and we may be in a crypto winter yet again. Who knows? Who knows? But if you've been here long enough, then this is nothing new for you, right? Right? If you're a newbie you need to start asking questions to the OGs about how they handle the mental wreckage that can occur in times like these so that you won't do something stupid and and punch out at a low price or a price that was lower than what you bought in at. Uh, The name of the game is patience. You have to have patience. This this was a get-rich-quick scheme, I guess, for a lot of people if you were in in 2010, 2011. but I mean, by the time 2012 happened, you had people that had bought the top and started selling the bottom. It did not take it did not take long for market cycles to start uh, infiltrating into the Bitcoin space. So if you're one of those people that are freaking out, just don't. Honestly, don't go mine your fiat job. Continue to stack sats, and everything will it'll, it'll be okay. Now, speaking of stacking sats, if you want to support this show, you can do so through uh, Podcasting 2.0. It's my favorite way for uh, people to support this show. If, for whatever reason, you are uncomfortable with using Lightning Network and and you know uh, uh, the Podcasting 2.0 apps such as Fountain App, Breeze Wallet, um, what's the other one that I use? Uh, Sphinx Chat was actually the first on the scene that I know of that had a functional 2.0 podcasting uh, uh, situation going on inside of their app. And, you know, the Sphinx chat, uh, they basically just loaded their their chat app up with a podcasting or a podcatcher. And because you already had a wallet with Sphinx chat, you could stream sats like one per minute, two per minute, a hundred per minute. It didn't matter. Um, you could stream that while you were listening to whatever podcast that was podcast 2.0 enabled. You've got to enable the, as a podcaster, I have an RSS feed and I have to have that enabled in podcasting 2.0. If you're wondering how all that shit occurs, you need to follow Adam Curry on Twitter. Uh, Adam Curry is the pod father. Podcasting 2.0 is his baby. And if you get to uh, it's, I think it's just at Adam Curry with two R's on Twitter. You will find everything that you need to know as to what's going on with podcasting 2.0 enabled RSS feeds. 
If you want to support the show differently with good old fashioned uh, uh, fiat, you can do that through my Patreon page, Bitcoin and podcast on Patreon. That's Bitcoin and podcast. That's all one word. Now, I want to say a few words about stacker news. Um, I kept seeing a whole bunch of stuff on Mastodon. Um, oh, let's see. It was just, tw- uh, well, toots are the the equivalent of tweets uh, on Mastodon. I kept seeing a whole bunch of toots from this thing called stacker news. And so I, I followed uh, that <clears throat> particular account on Mastodon and it just, they, it, it just started coming out of the woodwork, just, you know, toot after toot after toot, like five, six, seven in a row. And I finally, I got to the point where it piqued my interest and I was like, okay, well, what's this stacker news all about? So stacker.news, it's just stacker, S-T-A-C-K-E-R.news. Go there. I'm, I'm serious. Go check it out. The, um, for lack of a better for lack of a better phrase here, I'm just going to say that it's a wholesale replacement for Reddit. Now, I say that, I say that you got to take me with a grain of salt on that because the whole issue here is that, yes, Stacker News has a user interface that is really reminiscent of uh, Reddit. However, Reddit has a lot of functionality that Stacker News does not, but... Stacker News isn't getting a whole lot of money right now. Uh, it looks to be a start uh, startup platform out of Austin, Texas, one of my favorite Bitcoin citadels that there is. So they're probably operating off of a very little budget, if any budget at all. So you gotta you gotta give these guys some you know cut them some slack. But it is very much has the feel of a message board. And here's the here's why I'm even talking about it. <clears throat> When I went there, I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll sign up for an account. Fully expecting to have to enter in my email and stuff like that. And no, you can, if you want to, you can have it linked to your Twitter account so you can log in that way. And there's a, a couple of other ways. And I think they do allow you to do it with um, uh, your email. However, what caught my eye immediately was the top button was log in with Lightning Network. And I was like, thank God. This needs to become a thing. It really, really does. For, for being able to handle identities uh, across platforms, I would much rather just have my wallet send a message via the Lightning Network, via QR code that was given to me by a website that says you can log in with your Lightning wallet if you so choose, and actually do it that way. They don't know my name. They don't have an email address. They don't have a credit card. They ain't got jack shit except that I signed a message from a Lightning wallet that I control. I uh, think I used Blue Wallet. I'm pretty sure I used Blue Wallet to get this shit done. Um, And that was one of the first things that I was very, very happy about when I saw. So within 10 seconds, I'm in. (laughs) I'm in Stacker News. I've got my account. It's all set up. And I start looking around and I'm like, going, okay, well, I guess I should make a post. And the first thing that I noticed is that I had two quote unquote free posts that were available to me. So I 
made a post and then I made another post and then all of a sudden I don't have two free things going on. And I realized that somewhere on here is an onboard wallet. And sure enough, at the very top right corner is when you first get in, your wallet is empty. So in the very top right corner, you will see a green zero slash zero. You've clicked that and that gives you access to your wallet <clears throat> and you can fund or withdraw from that wallet. And so I went back to Blue Wallet and funded it with a thousand sats and it was <clears throat> there immediately as I was expecting it to be. No failed routing, no nothing. It just got in within, honestly, before I even put my phone down, the transaction went through. So that was a beauty thing. Now, so I, I go ahead and, and make a test post and I just basically put in like a, you know, a tiny URL link to my Apple uh, podcast feed um, for the Bitcoin and podcast. And I turn around and like 10 minutes later, I've got, I've have got a message that I was, I had stacked sats and lo and behold, each one of these posts has the ability for you to quote unquote upvote it <clears throat> through the use of your wallet and giving Satoshis to a post. And so far I've got like, I think I've made 78 sats on two posts and two replies to people that reply to those posts. I, you got to go see it for yourself. I think it's a bigger deal than what we think it is. So uh, again, I'm talking about stacker.news, stacker.news. Um, and then, um, let's see what else to say about it. Um, it's just, it's just interesting. And I wanted to give some time on it here at the front of the show so that you guys knew, uh, about it. Now, again, the user interface, it's simple. It's also intuitive. However, editing is markdown. And if you don't know what that means, I barely know what it means. It's just the, the ability to sort of program fonts, whether they're in bold or italic. Uh, how do you wrap a URL properly? I screwed that up because I was just thinking it was like anything else. And no, it's not. You've actually got to kind of know some stuff. But for the most part, if you're just writing text, if you just want to put something up, you know, post something, and get paid sats for it if somebody likes that post, well, then this is the place for you. Also, if you don't want to give a credit card or email or any kind of, you know, ident stuff, then this is also the place for you because you can just log in uh, or, or create an account with your Lightning Wallet, which is, in my view right now, the number one feature of this site is the fact that you can get an account set up without anything other than taking a picture of a QR code that they send you with your lightning wallet that by itself is cool as shit, right? So go check it out. Stacker.news, 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 wormhole token bridge loses $321 million in the largest hack of DeFi so far in 2022. That's right. You heard about it yesterday on Twitter. If you were anywhere close to the Bitcoin space, you heard all about it. We're going to learn more from Brian Neuer, Cointelegraph. The wormhole token bridge experienced a security exploit on Wednesday, resulting in the loss of 120,000 wrapped ether 
tokens, uh, which was about $321 million worth from the platform. Wormhole is a token bridge that allows users to send and receive crypto between Ethereum, Solana, Binance, Smart Chain, Polygon, Avalanche, Oasis, and Terra without the use of a centralized exchange. This is the largest crypto hack of 2022 so far and the second largest decentralized finance hack ever. The Wormhole team has offered a $10 million bug bounty for the return of the funds. The hack took place on Solana's side of the bridge and there are fears that Wormhole's bridge to Terra could be similarly vulnerable. The Wormhole team has assured the community that its ether supply would be replenished to ensure wrapped ether is backed one-to-one, but there is no word yet on where those funds will come from or when. The hack took place at 6.24 p.m. UTC on Wednesday. The attacker minted 120,000 wrapped ETH on Solana, then redeemed 93,000 wrapped ETH for ETH worth $254 million onto the Ethereum network at 6.28 UTC. The hacker has since used some funds to buy SportX, Meta Capital, and finally usable what finally usable crypto karma oh god fuck <laughs> finally usable crypto karma oh, aka fuck and board ape yacht club token or ape the remaining wrapped eth was swapped for solana and usd coin on solana the hacker solana wallet currently holds was it 432,662 soul worth $44 million. No other assets or chains served by wormhole have been reported affected, but smart contract auditing firm Certic said in a report today that it is possible that wormholes bridge to the Terra blockchain shares the same vulnerability as their Solana bridge. The wormhole team contacted the hacker through their Ethereum address, offering to let the hacker keep $10 million worth of the funds stolen if the remaining funds are returned. Quote, this is the wormhole deployer. We noticed you were able to exploit the Solana VAA verification and mint tokens. We'd like to offer you a white hat agreement and present you a bug bounty of $10 million for exploit details and returning the wrapped ETH you've minted. You can reach out to us at contract or contact at certus.one, end quote. <clears throat> at the time of writing, wrapped ETH tokens sent across the bridge are not yet redeemable while the wormhole team attempts to fix the exploit. This is the second smart contract exploit on token bridge in one week. One week, people. That's in one week. Number two, in one week. On Friday, Qubit Finance's QBridge was exploited for $80 million dollars on BSC. It is also reminiscent of the Poly Network back last August, wherein $610 million in crypto was stolen off the platform. In that case, nearly all of the funds were returned by the white hat hacker. The frequency of smart contract hacks on token bridges served to validate Vitalik Buterin's January 7th warning that there are fundamental security limits of bridges The Ethereum co-founder's admonition was within the context of a 51% attack on Ethereum, but his advice was well-timed as he pointed out the general vulnerability apparent on bridges that send tokens across layer one blockchains. When are people going to learn? Well, the answer to that question is apparently never. There's still people that are shorting and longing Bitcoin in this market. I mean, greed is a hell of a drug. 
And I just don't see any of this bullshit ending anytime soon. And it's really sad because even with this hack being the second largest hack in the history of DeFi tomorrow, or actually today, guess what's going to happen? People are going to ape into DeFi. It's just a never ending flood of stupidity coming into this space. And it's just shocking to see how many examples you have to put in front of somebody before they go, you know what? I don't think I'm going to touch that. And you'd think that they, that conclusion would have been arrived at by this time. You, I would have thought this kind this conclusion would have been arrived at last year or the, even possibly the year before we've been doing this for a while now, but no, no. So you're dealing with <clears throat> a very large population of people that will not learn. They continue to be greedy and that greed and that either unwillingness or inability to learn something new is probably one of the most dangerous things that I've ever seen. If you have any, and I mean this at the bottom, from the bottom of my heart, if you have any self-respect, you will stay as far away from decentralized finance as you possibly can until somebody somewhere comes up with a product that is not purpose built to, I don't know, farm fish tokens to get yield off of pineapple tokens that gets yield off of some other kind of food stuff. Cause that's what DeFi is and has been ever since its inception. There isn't really any clear examples of actual finance where you finance projects in the real world, buy houses, get a mortgage, get a car loan, uh, build a business with. I see none of that in the space. This is all about these this convoluted Rube Goldberg machine that is so fundamentally easily gamed <clears throat> that there is no other conclusion to come to that then you will be robbed. Stay away from it, guys. Stay away from it. El Salvador. This is from Crypto Potato author Dimitar Dehadrazov, and I know I just butchered the living shit out of it, but we must move on. El Salvador to fix Chivo wallets issued by partnering with Alpha Point. <clears throat> the government of El Salvador and the American financial technology provider Alpha Point joined forces to improve the technology of the Chivo wallet. The feature allows access to Bitcoin for millions of Salvadorans. Last year, El Salvador put its name in the spotlight after becoming the first state to accept Bitcoin as a legal tender inside of its borders. The authorities also introduced the Chivo wallet. At first look, it was met with huge enthusiasm among locals. <clears throat> At the end of September, Pre uh, President Nayib Bukele announced that the wallet had amassed 2.1 million users, or around 30% of the Salvadoran population. Nonetheless, the mass adoption led to some issues such as slow transactions, blocked accounts, unauthorized charges, and other technical glitches. To resolve these problems, the government teamed up with AlphaPoint, a New York City-based software firm that supports crypto projects. Specifically, the authorities vowed <clears throat> sorry, to change the front-end and back-end technology provider for its Chivo wallet with the help of its new partner, Speaking on the matter was Igor Tetelagov, and I butchered that one too, co-founder and CEO of AlphaPoint, quote, 
No one else has attempted to execute a project of this nature. We at AlphaPoint are honored to be involved in the process and provide the reliable scaled solutions needed for the effort. The Chivo Wallet app is currently supporting millions of Salvadorans and many of them by accessing financial services for the very first time, end quote. The upgrade of El Salvador's crypto wallet came a few days after the International Monetary Fund urged the government of the Latin American country to remove Bitcoin legal tender status. It opined that such legislation poses a large risk to the economy and could create contingent liabilities. Shortly after, El Salvador's Treasury Minister uh, Alejandro Zelaya responded to the criticism saying that no international organization is going to make us do anything, anything at all, end quote. Apart from embracing the, primary, embracing the primary cryptocurrency as an official payment method, the Salvadoran authorities have also bought Bitcoin on a macroeconomic level. Latest purchase came at the end of January when the nation accumulated 410 BTC worth $15 million. Currently, the state has 1,801 BTC equivalent to nearly $70 million calculated at today's prices. So their wallet is kind of broken. It's been an issue ever since they launched it. Here's here's my question though. Why did I mean if they were going to partner with Jack, why did why did they just not have a branded version of the Strike wallet? I mean it would have been very simple to do. But they had to build their own, you know, apparently I'm not going to say non-functional because it does work, but it's causing problems. You should have just used a branded version of the Strike Wallet, honestly. That would have been easier for everybody. <clears throat> now, speaking of El Salvador, Bitcoin Educational Center launches in El Salvador. Nomcios has it for Bitcoin Magazine. Peer-to-peer -peer Bitcoin platform Paxful has launched an educational center in El Salvador to help citizens learn about and better utilize Bitcoin. The initiative called La Casa del Bitcoin aims to propel Bitcoin adoption with free knowledge as the majority of the Salvadoran population still struggles with the technology. Paxful said in a Wednesday statement that the center would provide the population of San Salvador, El Salvador with free training and events that increase awareness around the benefits of having Bitcoin as a medium of exchange in a local community. Quote, the center will further drive the next wave of Bitcoin mass adoption and equip growing segments such as small merchants and local businesses with tools to connect to a global community of users, the statement said. Classes and training will go live to the public starting Thursday, February the 3rd. Why? That's today, as the center welcomes anyone interested in uh, better interacting with Bitcoin and Lightning. Quote, peer-to-peer -peer platforms are driving adoption in emerging markets, and as a people-powered platform, we understand that education is crucial to the next wave of adoption, Paxful CEO Ray Youssef said in a statement. Quote, the center will provide education, accessibility, and opportunity to a population that has been ignored by traditional finance and demonstrate the real-world benefits of Bitcoin to emerging markets. In addition to providing educational resources, the center will also house offices of, of Paxful and of Built with Bitcoin Foundation, a humanitarian organization devoted to leveraging Bitcoin to create equitable opportunity through clean water, access to education, sustainable farming, and humanitarian support. Quote, the projects that we are launching demonstrate the power of Bitcoin as a philanthropic tool to aid change and further financial freedom. The director of philanthropy of Built with Bitcoin Foundation, Yousef Necessary, 
uh, yeah, that's his name, necessary, said in a statement, quote, we're grateful for the opportunity to deliver resources and continue building equitable opportunities for countless people and communities who bring our mission to life, end quote. Paxful is a global peer-to-peer platform founded in 2015 for people to make payments, transactions, and send money by buying and selling Bitcoin as a means of exchange. Yusuf and Necessary later teamed up to set up the Built with Bitcoin Foundation to support emerging markets. To date, the nonprofit has built and repaired eight schools, seven solar projects, and over a dozen water and farming systems worldwide. Now, here's... Here's the thing that's not mentioned uh, by uh, Namcios in this piece. Ray Youssef of Paxful is, uh, he's, I can't remember, I, it's not Nigeria. What I'm saying is, is that he's centered in an African country, on the African continent. Now, you've heard me talk about how it is that I'm not really that concerned with Western finance and legacy financial systems adopting Bitcoin. I'm more interested in Central and South America, Africa, the Balkans, the Baltics, Eastern Europe, and, you know, other other pieces of the world that are not very well represented by, quote, the legacy financial system. So this bridge between Africa and El Salvador, I think is actually going to be more important than we give it credit for. Because Africa and South America and Central America, honestly, they need Bitcoin probably more than anybody else on the face of the planet, uh, except for East, you know, Eastern Europe coming close. There are some countries in Eastern Europe that are, that are really, really, really damn close to really needing it. But in either event, uh, I think it's an important, uh, an important facet to look at that this bridge is coming to Central and South America from the continent of Africa, both of which desperately need to understand how to bit, how to how to Bitcoin honestly and how to use it to its maximum potential. Now, a grid sta- stabilization story here by Turner Wright Coin Telegraph. Crypto miner in Texas shuts down 99% of operations as winter storm approaches. With winter storm Landon ex- expected to hit parts of Texas this week, major crypto mining firms are powering down in anticipation of high demands on the state's power grid. Now I'm going to pause and let you know what the hell's going on right now in the panhandle of Texas, right? And I'm very far away from where this, uh, where these guys are, are shutting down. They're more in central Texas. It, we woke up to six degrees. There is snow on the ground that's so cold it cannot pack. So no snowball fun, no building of snowmans, no nothing like that. It's that fucking cold. The wind's blowing. It's completely gray. We're supposed to wake up tomorrow morning. Friday morning is supposed to be three degrees. So this is a storm that you don't mess around with. Okay. It's, it's a, actually a, a, a big deal. So continuing on, speaking to Cointelegraph on Wednesday, Riot Blockchain's communications director, Tristan Pafer, said that the company's data center in Rockdale already had 99% of its power currently shut off uh, since beginning curtailments on Tuesday with demands on the grid expected to peak on Thursday night. In addition, Bitcoin mining firms with representation in the Texas Blockchain Council sent a letter 
to Texas Governor Greg Abbott informing him they plan to shut down or reduce operations in response to ERCOT's needs. ERCOT is, generally speaking, the largest provider of electricity in the state of Texas. However, it is not so large that it provides energy to all of Texas. That's an important note. I am not on the ERCOT grid. I am on a separate grid, even though I live in Texas. Quote, as Texans, we want you to know that we are actively monitoring the incoming cold front as we would any seasonal weather event, said Texas Blockchain Council Vice President Reed Clay in a letter to Abbott shared with Cointelegraph. Likewise, we are taking proactive measures to shut down operations, shed load, and create additional capacity in response to ERCOT's needs should that be necessary. According to PAFER, major Texas-based miners used an estimated one gigawatt for operations under normal conditions, permissible with the state's power grid. According to ERCOT's website, Texans are using 35,000 megawatts at the time of publication, with the firm stating that there is enough power for current demand. However, ERCOT's forecast shows this demand could increase more than 42% in the next 24 hours, peaking at just under 50,000 megawatts per hour, or 50,000 megawatts, sorry, when temperatures drop to their lowest, which is roughly minus 8 degrees C in Dallas. I don't think that's right. I don't think Dallas is going to see a negative 8 degrees Celsius temperature. You're talking more along the lines of like, you know, it's just it's just not going to be that cold, guys. It's just not. Uh, the TBC letter added, just as important as the positive market signals we send to generators is our unique ability to immediately shed load when ERCOT demands it. This sort of demand response has and should continue to be a powerful tool in any grid management strategy. So we don't need to really read the rest. What we need to do is talk about what this actually means. And what it actually means is Bitcoin mining is actually going to go through a demonstration of exactly what it can do for grid stabilization operations for a power grid. When these guys, these guys have already shut down and it's going to put another gigawatt onto the ERCOT grid, because I think all of the miners presently are on ERCOT, except possibly some guys out in West Texas, but they're not really using power from ERCOT. They're using flared natural gas, so they don't even, they're, they're not even part of this equation. It will be interesting to see how this works, if it works, and check this shit out. Let's say that the ERCOT has problems like it did last winter, which were bad. I think 53 people froze to death because of that shit and, and other issues. Um, even though Bitcoin mining is shut down, if ERCOT fails, I guarantee you the following. There will be news story after news story after news story that does not pick up that there was no Bitcoin mining in Texas during the storm, and they will blame Bitcoin mining for the problems of the ERCOT grid, should the ERCOT grid have problems, I guarantee it. It will happen. It will be, there will be multiple news stories run in print. There will be multiple news stories run on news. There will be multiple news stories run on radio. I guarantee you we'll probably even see national public radio pick up the story and run with it like the devil. So be prepared for that bullshit. And when somebody says, well, you know, in, in common, you know, 
in a common conversation that you might have with somebody that mentions that it was Bitcoin's fault that ERCOT grid failed in 2022 winter, remind them that there was no Bitcoin mining in Texas because they all shut down voluntarily to support grid infrastructure. If we don't do that, if we don't correct the misinformation that's going to come out if ERCOT fails, then we're bad Bitcoiners. Let's run the numbers. Markets are jacked. Let's start with flammable liquids. West Texas Intermediate down almost a full point, but it's still at $87.44. Brent North Sea likewise down 0.83% to $88.71. Natural gas is the big story. I get the feeling natural gas is just a market that's completely played with and, and people just making fake numbers and shit because it is down 10.5%. And yet it is still at just under five bucks per thousand cubic feet, which means it, if it's down 10.42% uh, this morning, I can't, I, I didn't look at what natural gas prices were, were peaking at on the markets yesterday, but it, they must've been, must've been pretty good. Uh, gasoline is also down over a full point, 1.05%, uh, but it's still $2.58 a gallon. Shiny metal rocks getting their asses handed to them. Gold is down over a point to 1791. Silver is down almost three points to $22 even. Platinum is down almost two points. Copper is down 1.13 points. And palladium is down 3.78 points. Agricultural futures are mixed, however. Biggest loser is corn, of course, with 1.24% to the downside. And your biggest winner is coffee, up over a point. Uh, let's see, Dow futures down 0.85, S&P futures down 1.42, NASDAQ futures down 2.67, that's because of Meta, I suppose, and the S&P mini is 0.96 to the downside. I'm guessing Meta or Facebook, old Facebook is on NASDAQ and not the S&P, but I could be wrong. If I am, don't point at me and laugh, I've got better fish to fry. With $36,684 being the price of real money, that is 273,000 Bitcoin transactions over the last 24 hours. That's just uh, nah, 11,379 transactions on average per hour with a mere 684,000 BTC being sent in that period. 28,500 BTC every hour on the hours being sent with an average transaction value of 2.5 BTC and a median transaction value of 0 0.016 BTC or just under $600. Block times are low, nine minutes and 21 seconds. With a 1.23% drop in hash rate, we're still at 200.8, 200.8 exahashes per second. Uh, shitcoin indicator is Doge, 13.7 shiny pennies. We have 466 transactions waiting on one block to clear. We are under $700 billion in market capitalization, 692.4 to be exact. 5.86% of gold's total market cap is what that represents. And you can get 20.3 ounces of shiny metal rocks with your one Bitcoin, of which there are 18,947,747.75. of those are locked in the Lightning Network, valued at $124 million, running over 19,922 total nodes that we know about. 
with 85,427 total payment channels. 76.2% of all of it is being run over Tor. Uh, 11,502 Tor Lightning nodes that we can see, and that's going to do it for Vitals. Welcome to part two of the news that you can use. Metaverse tokens hold firm as Meta stock tumbles. Yeah, Zuckerberg had a bad day after hours yesterday. Let's find out more. Tim Hockey has it for Decrypt.co. There's been a 3.7% decrease in crypto's uh, global market cap in the last 24 hours, which means price crashes all around have erased many of the gains made this week. But one group of tokens has weathered the red. Metaverse tokens, yes, because nobody gives a shit. Most of the top Metaverse tokens appear to be up by double digits. Decentraland's in-game utility token MANA crashed 2.5% overnight, but it's still 18.7% up from last Thursday. It sells for uh, $2.64 at time of writing. Uh, Let's see. Shares in Meta. Formerly Facebook plummeted 21% in pre-market trading today after the company warned investors that its first quarter quarter earnings will likely fall short of forecasts because of, quote, increasing competition. Mark Zuckerberg blames TikTok. <laughs> but a large part of the shortfall could be also attributable to the fact that Meta spent $10 billion on developing its recent Web3 Metaverse pivot, leaving it a less than usual margin of profit. The situation hasn't been helped by allegations of verbal and sexual harassment taking place during a tech demo of Meta's virtual social media world. There is also the fact that Meta's proposed borderless global currency, Diem, is now dead in the water. The company announced it was selling off all of its projects, assets, and intellectual property to California crypto-friendly bank Silvergate. It looks like Meta has plenty of non-virtual housekeeping to do before it can restore investors' confidence. That's right. Yeah, Facebook or Meta or whatever you want to call that piece of shit uh, just got its ass handed to it. But there's not is it wasn't just the fact that they didn't hit earnings. Um, What I think really was the tell was the fact that for the first time in God only knows how long, if ever, Meta announced that they had actually lost users. I'm surprised it took this long to finally get people realizing that Facebook or Meta or whatever is not your friend. They will censor the living shit out of you. They will kick you off the platform. And that's actually sort of my question is that, you know, like I got kicked off of Twitter. So B-E-N-N-D-7-7, a, you know, very old Twitter account is no longer even in existence, except in, you know, the ghost realm. I am now ghost of Nunya on Twitter, in case you're wondering. Um, The question becomes, would I be counted as somebody who left of my own volition to Twitter when they're doing their, you know, report annual reports or their quarterly reports, would I be counted as somebody like, would I be counted as a lost customer because I left of my own will versus being kicked off of the platform against my will? So the question goes for Facebook. They said that they've lost users. Is it, did they lose users or did they shit can enough users that it actually made a dent in their platform's profitability. 
I mean, I, I tweeted it out a couple of weeks ago. If I ran a business the way Twitter runs their business, I wouldn't have any customers because I would continuously be firing my customers. I would say, no, I don't want to do business with you. And then I turn around and have to explain to the bank why I didn't make any fucking money this month or this quarter or this year, if ever. What kind of attitude do you have to have as a CEO that would fire your customers in mass and then wonder why you got your ass handed to you in your earnings report and then have to be so ludicrous as to blame another platform for it? I'm serious, man. This, this is the state of CEOs in tech that we see today, and it's just absolutely embarrassing. What were the three biggest years for Bitcoin? Daniel Roberts has this one for Decrypt. Pop quiz for the crypto diehards out there. What have been the three most significant years for Bitcoin in its 13-year history? If you're going strictly by price gains per year, then 2013, when Bitcoin climbed from $13 to about $1,200, a more than 9,000% gain would top your list. But Shapeshift founder Eric Voorhees, one of the earliest and most influential people in crypto, doesn't include 2013 on his list. I don't think he's as influential as you might think, guys. Not anymore, anyway. Voorhees was asked the question during an extensive chat on episode two of Decrypt's new GM podcast. His top three years, 2017, 2020, and 2021. 2017 makes the list for both price performance and for the more elusive metric of hype. The image of families discussing crypto around the Thanksgiving table became a lasting one for the year, which Voorhees simply says was the last real bubble before the pandemic. Of course, in February 2018, Bitcoin fell off a cliff and the industry entered what is widely referred to as crypto winter. Voorhees' second pick is the year that just ended. Crypto went more mainstream than ever before. Whether you're measuring by publicly traded companies buying in, traditional Wall Street hedge fund titans changing their tune on crypto, value pouring into DeFi and then immediately getting wrecked, that's me, not them, on the proliferation of NFTs, to name just some of the corners of crypto that mooned. Further development of the Lightning Network, El Salvador adopting Bitcoin as legal tender, and the NFT boom are some of the specific reasons Voorhees gives for 2021. And I think more broadly, it's clear that crypto generally has gone beyond a niche technology, he said, quote, whereas a few years ago, people would be embarrassed if they knew a lot about crypto. Today, I think people are more embarrassed if they don't know much about crypto. It's becoming a requirement if you're going to speak intelligently on finance and markets or technology. His third year is 2020. Surprise, since many might select 2013 when Bitcoin per first topped $1,000. In 2020, the economic effects of the COVID-19 pandemic sent crypto prices tumbling along with stocks at first, and then the crypto market dramatically reversed course. The initial sell-off was yet another time when all the skeptics and haters would say, see, this stuff is nonsense. It's just a bubble and it's going to zero. It gave people every reason to just be dismissive of it, and within a couple of months, it had totally clawed back all that value and went on to hit all-time highs later that year. So 2020 and 2021 together, it's really been a profound couple of years for everyone in this space. End quote. I have to agree with Eric Voorhees, and I don't agree with him much. He was on the wrong, very wrong side of Segwit2x. He was one of the signatories of the New York Agreement that wanted to uh, bump up 
Bitcoin's block size, and it was just a total shit show. I won't get into it, but it was a fascinating time in the history of cryptocurrency. So, um, well, actually, it was a fascinating time in Bitcoin. Cryptocurrency is always, as usual, just along for the ride, riding on coattails. Uh, but I do agree, 2020, 2021 have been pretty, pretty big years for Bitcoin in general. And I'm, you know, whether or not we're in crypto winter, I am excited to see what comes next. Well, and I'll tell you what actually comes next is uh, fraternity bros getting into the space. Chris Smith is writing this one for Bitcoin Magazine. How my fraternity supercharged our treasury by adopting Bitcoin. <laughs> Chris Smith. During the summer of 2021, the Sigma Alpha fraternity at Lipscomb University decided to put a large percentage of their cash reserves into Bitcoin, hold it on their balance sheet, and to accept dues in Bitcoin through the Lightning Network. It unanimously passed and was implemented shortly after. At the peak of the move in November, the Sigma Alpha treasury had risen 70% in value from their original purchase. I am thrilled to have the opportunity to be covering this story from the inside a perspective as an executive of the fraternity. I was a key orchestrator in the process alongside President Sean Hagen, Vice President Mason Nam, and Treasurer Cole Warren. And I am pleased to announce that we are the first fraternal organization in the nation to hold Bitcoin on our balance sheet and to accept dues in Bitcoin. The executives ran into a dilemma in the summer of 2021 while we were planning and anticipating the start of yet another school semester, a dilemma I assume many other organizations also faced. Quote, how can we as a student organization with exclusively cash maintain our purchasing power during such a high inflationary period? Sean and I were very much orange-pilled by this time, so had suggested he had suggested to me that we should follow Michael Saylor's suit and put Bitcoin on our balance sheet. We then continued further with the obvious solution of accepting dues in Bitcoin as a means to increase our exposure. This was a very popular choice among members, and we believe it to be a contributing factor in the unanimity of the following vote to adopt a Bitcoin standard. This served two purposes. First, it helped us diversify our cash into an asset that would maintain its purchasing power significantly better than fiat. And second, it gave incentive to the members of the club to keep up with the Bitcoin price and learn more about Bitcoin. This was very successful with the majority of our members now holding Bitcoin themselves. Not only will student organizations benefit from adopting Bitcoin, the asset, but they will also significantly enhance their operations by adopting Bitcoin, the monetary network. Bitcoin the Network was founded by Satoshi Nakamoto for the specific purpose of giving people or organizations who use its monetary freedom and to enhance the way they conduct their operations. This was our thesis behind accepting dues in Bitcoin through the Lightning Network as it is actually a faster, more transparent, and a better way to conduct peer-to-peer -peer transactions for our organization. Some campuses actually require their organizations to hold their assets in an account controlled by the university itself. Bitcoin fixes this and gives the custody of the assets back to the organization. Ultimately, during high inflationary periods, even student organizations will be needing to protect their purchasing power. Historically, from the last century, we've been able to conclude that the Federal Reserve Board cannot be trusted in protecting us from this phenomenon themselves. As Consumer Price Index year-to-date was announced recently to be upwards of 7%, 
This is the largest yearly increase we have seen since the period ending June 1982. That's 1982. As Bitcoin is a fixed asset that moves at the speed of light, we now have an opportunity to take this responsibility into our own hands. The result is not only a protected purchasing power, but an increase in custody and value. By taking on this responsibility, you, as an individual, will be able to not only use this modern technology, but also to educate yourself through experience. This education will ultimately be more valuable to you than the actual increase the asset may provide. He's not lying, man. Specifically for students, it is important to educate yourself outside the confines of your university system due to the quickly changing landscape of traditional finance. Through working with this next generation of technology, it will increase the decentralization of it and decrease the power of the centralized system of control. Therefore, not only is this an explanation of why you should buy Bitcoin, but also a call to action for you to educate yourself in areas where you would not have been able to do so otherwise. This might sound intimidating for the average user. Many are often scared of embracing new technology that is hard to understand from the outside looking in, but I can assure you that it is actually very simple and is very simple and ultimately freeing. It is easy to use, easy to implement, and easy to understand with the right mindset. Ultimately, it is your choice to call yourself to this standard, but I highly encourage you to do so. How does a student organization implement Bitcoin? To start, there needs to be a call to action for students who want Bitcoin and to and the study of Austrian economics to get properly implemented within the structure of academia. This might look different on a university-to-university -university basis, but the core goal should remain the same. A second step is to encourage other fraternities, sororities, and student-led organizations to study and implement Bitcoin themselves. If the educational system keeps refusing to instruct on basic economic concepts and monetary freedom, then there must be actions of leadership taken by student-led organizations to fill that void. I encourage you, if you are a student reading this article, to set up a Bitcoin club at your university. I bet you will be surprised by the interest in students who want to learn more and be educated on the topic. If you are a professor reading this who has been looking to get involved, you should sponsor the club and give these students guidance on how to properly educate themselves and increase their discernment. A great place to start would be reading the Bitcoin Standard by Saifedean Amis and opening up discussion, challenging one another to understand these concepts. Then, if that goes well, follow up with Amis's The Fiat Standard. Both of these books are curated for this very reason and would provide a very solid framework for your club. The last step is to buy Bitcoin and keep buying more Bitcoin. I know this sounds very cliche and bromide, <laughs> bromide, but it is the core behind what Bitcoin is. To fully embrace Bitcoin, you must start stacking sats. The best way to do this is to start using Strike as your new Venmo. Ordered a pizza for you and your roommate, bought tickets to the game under your debit card, request them on Strike for the dollar amount they owe you. But instead of receiving the payment in USD, you will be receiving the payment in the hardest money on earth. And the best part about it, no fees. Well, not yet anyway. You can transfer it back to your bank account if you need to, just like Venmo. You can also download Strike as a Google Chrome extension. So no matter where you are, you have control of your Bitcoin. As of January 2022, Sigma Alpha has taken action to not only be a Bitcoin holding organization, but also to be a small piece of the hyper-Bitcoinization of the entire globe. We hope to be a light to other organizations who are looking to follow in our footsteps 
or those who have asked the same questions that we once did. We also are looking to bring awareness to the misguided opinions about Bitcoin within academia. This calls for us to push back against the constant pressure on educational systems to cattle their students into the traditional educational systems predominantly influenced and persuaded by the corporate world. I encourage you to take control over your financial destiny and start implementing Bitcoin into your everyday life. First, educate, then implement. These two steps will create the largest paradigm shift the world has ever seen, starting with student-led organizations and the Trojan horses like Sigma Alpha who decide to take a risk for the betterment of humanity. Again, that was Chris Smith for Bitcoin Magazine. Uh, the bro himself has basically predetermined that Sigma Alpha will never run out of kegs of beer or togas ever again. And I'm more than happy to uh, say that, thank God somebody in the Greek circle of organizations has figured it out. Thank God. And he brings up a really, really good point. If universities right now are the scariest place on earth to boomers and Gen Xers because of what's being taught there, and I don't need to go into what's being taught, you you know it, you, I, I guarantee you can feel it in your bones. Uh, d critical race theory, diversity, how to dye your hair purple, that kind of shit. Um, then this young man should actually be a ray of hope because if you, if you replicate this across the Greek structure, which is still endemic to a very large amount of very large schools in the United States, at least, and you know, also in Europe, but it was really, really hot for, especially the eighties and nineties. Uh, the Greek organizations were like everywhere. Some of some colleges and universities have gotten rid of them entirely, but there's still quite a few out there. If you can get those guys to start Bitcoin meetups, Bitcoin clubs, put Bitcoin on their balance sheet, teach their members about it, then you've got a fairly large ground force on your hands. So I'm, you know, I'm hoping to see that, you know, more of the fraternal and sorority uh, organizations actually take this mantle up. Uh, I wonder who will be the first sorority to do it. You know, is it going to be Pi Kappa Alpha? Is it going to be, you know, Delta, not Delta, Delta, Delta. Uh, well, actually, no, Delta, Delta, Delta is an organization. Um, who, who's it going to be? It's probably not going to be, quote unquote, the popular one. Is probably going to be more like Lambda, Lambda, Lambda and the, the nerd guys, but it doesn't matter where it starts. It just needs to start. That's going to do it for the morning roundup. All right, I'm going to cut it short. No joke today. Uh, we're going to be coming up on the weekend here pretty quick. If you are in Texas and you are experiencing uh, radical amounts of cold, be careful. Um, a reminder uh, to those people in Texas that are suffering from the cold, make sure that your pipes are dripping, um, especially at night because it gets so much more colder at night for obvious reasons. Make sure that you're, you've got pipes, especially like any sinks whose pipes are... are are being serviced by pipes that are on exterior walls. Interior walls, not so much, but exterior walls, those pipes can freeze. And that's, you don't want that shit. That, that shit will, will 
cause you a plumbing bill that you really, really don't want to deal with. Uh, so make sure that they're dripping because that will keep the ground temperature coming continuously coming up into your pipes and making sure that they don't freeze. And it only needs to be a drip, but please do that. And, you know, honestly, stay inside, bundle up. If you got a fireplace, put some wood in the son of a bitch and, and get warm. Again, if you want to support the show and support what I do, podcasting 2.0 is uh, the thing for you. Uh, you can stream me Satoshi's while you listen to it on uh, the podcast on uh, podcasting to enabled applications like uh, Fountain App. Uh, let's see what else was there. Uh, oh my God, I can't believe I'm just like Breeze Wallet uh, has a podcasting app inside of it and Sphinx Chat also. And there's like, dude, there's actually like 30 of these things. These are just the three that that I use. So those are the ones that I kind of recommend. Um, if you don't want to do that, Patreon, a Bitcoin and podcast, you can use your fiat cash. Um, if you're more comfortable doing that, I, you know, it's, it's not that I like fiat because every, just so you know, if you do go the Patreon route, I'm not actually taking that, that money in dollars. What I'm doing is I've set up Stripe to be able to deposit all of those funds directly over to Strike, which is different, sounds the same, but it's Jack Maller's crew. And when it hits my uh, strike wallet, it doesn't even go into dollars. It's immediately converted 100% into Bitcoin. And that is what sits in my wallet. So no matter what you do, if you want to do it through podcasting 2.0, if you want, you know, if you want to do it through fiat, it all ends up in Bitcoin, no matter what you do. So you don't have to be fearful that I'm actually just taking straight up fiat because I don't really want to do that. Uh, with all that said, I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.